Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. KCBS Radio, original podcasts. It was March 6, 2020. I met up with a date at the Fox Theater in Oakland to see eccentric bassist extraordinaire Thundercat live. We got drinks and shared life things, but at some point he looked around and then looked at me and said, is it just me or does it feel wrong to be here? The concert was incredible, but little did I know it would be my last in-person live music experience for over a year. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mallory Samara, and this is Bay Current. Three years ago, much of the Bay Area was ordered to shelter in place. Well, this is day one of the nearly Bay Area-wide shelter-in-place where non-essential businesses are closed. Ahead of an expected surge in coronavirus cases, Bay Area residents are sheltering in place. They are avoiding public spaces and places. Governor Newsom has ordered that there be no public gatherings across the state, and that mirrors the action taken by six Bay Area counties. KCBS's Jeffrey Schaub... While some thought we'd be back to so-called normal, whatever that means, in a few weeks, I think we all remember not knowing when we'd see the light at the end of the tunnel or when we'd be able to be among others again. Industries that evolve around human interaction came to a halt, and out of them, the live music industry was one that perhaps suffered the most. Because of COVID-19's rapid spread, the industry globally lost about $30 billion in the year 2020 alone. Musicians, sound engineers, bartenders, tour managers, everyone involved in production, now stagnant and feeling helpless. Three years later, and the live music industry is still recovering from the devastating effects of COVID-19. And it's led many to reevaluate their careers. In this episode of Bay Current, I speak with Oakland-based activist and rapper Bamboo about what was behind his decision to step away from the live music scene as we head into the COVID-19 endemic. His concert at the New Parish in Oakland in July 2021 was the first one I went to since venues had shuttered. I'll also speak with Jonathan Gutton. He's a general manager of The Independent in San Francisco, a member of the National Independent Venue Association, or NEVA. You might not know this, but NEVA was responsible for the financial relief the live music industry received amid the pandemic. On its website, it describes itself as the driving force behind lobbying and grassroots efforts to pass the bipartisan Save Our Stages Act. It's now known as the Shuttered Venues Operators Grant Program, signed into law in December 2020 as part of the second COVID-19 relief bill. 
it allocated $16 billion in federal emergency relief. Well, three years later, and things are kind of seeming more normal than ever. Festivals are back, live music euphoria fanatics like myself are getting packed into venues like sardines like we were before the pandemic. No more getting asked for vaccine cards or test results at the door. Masks are almost non-existent, although I still wear mine. You're starting to see crowds sort of go back to, you know, behavior-wise where they were before this. I'll start off with my conversation with Jonathan Gutton. First off, how how are you doing uh, in the scope of like just live music and, and where you're at right now, especially with Independent? Well, it's funny you say what you prefaced it with what you just did, because uh, currently we're in the process, which is a, this is a very Nevo related matter, but we're in the process of applying for forgiveness for these shuttered venue operator grants that we all received. Uh, in the midst of the pandemic. And in that process, um, you know, they go through sort of your expenditures. It's a, it's a mandatory thing if you received over a certain amount and um, totally fine with us because we're super organized and we feel good about it. But it's funny because uh, just recently they were requesting some receipts from March of 2020. And um, while I was kind of dredging up some of this stuff, I like this was two days ago. I realized, whoa, it's March 12th, 2023 right now. And the shutdown was three years ago. And uh, it really kind of struck me, like you said, how long ago it seems, but how short it it, also seems like it's very close in the rearview mirror. And in a lot of ways, still affecting everything we're doing. Like I just said, I mean, I'm I'm spending a lot of my days, you know, applying for this forgiveness. So the process of this is not over. And that chapter is not totally closed, but I definitely feel like we're at the end of it. Like we're really starting to turn a corner. Um, And I've probably said that so many times over the last three years, Uh, but this feels a little different. Business is not back to completely normal. There's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it isn't even COVID related. It's just a change in the landscape that may or may not have been a big, had an effect Uh, from COVID or, you know, there was multiple other things in the industry. Like I think all industries that were culminating and coming to a head and sort of hit this wall that we called COVID Uh, and everything has changed. All of our, the way we do all of our businesses and all of our industries, it's, it's changed. So uh, I think the last year and a half has really been, if you want to call it a three-year process, obviously it was a year and a half of closure. uh, And this last year and a half has really been, I think a, a relearning and uh, re-approaching how we did things. And some things have changed for the better. Like, I think this is true of everybody. We're, we're, re- we're re-examining, you know, how we work, our work-life balance and stuff like that. And so from just a music perspective, I do feel like we're starting to tick back up to the, the place that we were at before. The independents always had a lot of shows. And so... This last couple months were slower, um, but that's typical, January and February. And now when I'm looking at the schedule for March and April, it's really starting to feel like we're picking up. And I think this summer it'll feel pretty normal again. You know, we're, we're well past all the stuff of the, you know, checking for vaccinations. And, and that was all really intense, again, relearning of things and 
our operations? How are we going to get people in the door when we have to check for this stuff? So we kind of rolled with all those punches and I finally feel like it's not over. Like I said, we're still dealing with aspects of it, but we're we're close to to a conclusion and a place where I think we can kind of close the door on it. Hopefully, I don't I don't want to get cocky, but this organization Neva it started during the pandemic. Why do you think that that was so essential for independent venues? It's really an incredible story, um, and it starts with Dana Frank in uh, Minneapolis and. Dana uh, is just a really uh, incredible person, and uh, I did I knew of Dana. I did not know her well. Um, everybody sort of knows who runs the cool clubs around the country, and uh, and First Ave and it, her club is certainly one of those. Uh, and I'd been there before, so it, it, I knew her name. I didn't know much about her. Um, and you know, it was like you mentioned at the beginning of this, it was just such a weird time and, um, you know, nobody knew anything. And as things went from March to April to May to June, uh, things started to feel worse. It didn't feel like it was, there was more answers. It felt like there was less answers and, uh, the shutdown, what, what we thought would be. I mean, I was looking because I guess I mentioned I was going back through stuff. I was looking at the email I sent to our staff uh, on March 12th. And, um, you know, I was like, I took it very seriously, but I said, you know, hopefully this won't extend past April. And, and I remember uh, like the first real night of uh, when, when things started to seem very odd and nothing had shut down yet. So this must've been the, the night of the 11th. I went to a bar with my friend, which now feels stupid, but we were, we were sitting there and our, and my accountant called me, uh, the accountant for the, the business. And, uh, he said, Hey man, I just want to give you a heads up. I've got some people that are telling me they think this could, could go six months. And I just remember thinking he was crazy. So I kind of laughed that off. And then as we got into June, it really felt like, Oh man, this might go more than six months. This might go for, and there's points where it felt like it could go forever. And we all, I think, uh, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but all the people I was talking to, you know, we went from being like, really, uh, we're all leaders. We all are people who are leading people in our, in our roles. And we went from trying, you know, we're used to crisis, man, concerts. We know a concert is one short crisis after another. And you learn that you always get through it and you always, the show goes on and it's, it's a, it's like a really good lesson for life. Um, but we were getting just pummeled and it, it started to feel like our regular, you know, trying to tell people it's going to be okay. It started to feel like maybe it wouldn't be okay. Um, and so <clears throat> I think when, when that started to really dawn on me and other people, a, a lot of us just sort of like, we were just trying to keep our own clubs alive uh, however we could. And there were these like crisis emergency meetings with the, the owners and, and we, you know, we had kind of uh, brought together a bunch of venues in San Francisco uh, with the San Francisco venue coalition. And it was like, people were just, what do we, we didn't know what to do. And I think we were all starting to kind of bang our heads against the wall. And I'll speak for myself. I felt really hopeless at a certain point and uh, sort of like, maybe I should start thinking about another career, you know? And in that moment that I was sitting there thinking, doing that, 
I think Dana was doing the opposite and was like, I'm going to save this thing, uh, which is an incredible endeavor to take on as an individual who's, you know, just one person. Um, and Dana really coalesced everybody and really pushed the boulder up the hill. And I, and I started hearing these sort of mutterings of like, you know, what Neva wanted to be and what they wanted to do. And they wanted to, you know, push to get this lobbying and raise money to lobby, to get, you know, uh, us some, some money, some relief. And that felt like a, like a lifeline in a storm. And the more I started talking to people who were involved with it and hearing what they had to say and hearing Dana's plan, it, it suddenly felt like we had a plan and a hope and hope. I don't know that people realize it is such a massive industry, just like the film industry. You know, you kind of think of the musicians on stage, but I think that, you know, sometimes people forget there are like a million people <laughs> running around in the background, like planning, cleaning, like Absolutely. setting up, breaking down, like tour bus drivers, you yep. know, wardrobe, like literally every single facet of it's an economy. Yeah, it's an entire economy. It's an economy that affects many, many other economies in our uh, in our ecosystem. So it, it puts people in restaurants uh, out on the street at night in masses, and that's really important to our nightlife ecosystem. How do you think that fans and audiences have changed the last three years? You know, it's an it's a constantly evolving thing, and. It's also, I think, a very regional thing. Less so now. We're, we've we've sort of bottlenecked in, into the bottle now where we're at a place where most of us are in a pretty similar way we handle uh, the pandemic and our feelings about the pandemic because it's sort of in the rear view a little bit. I don't, like I said, I don't want to be cocky here, but uh, but I think at the beginning there was this sort of thing of like in different places of the country different concert goers had different opinions about how to go to concerts, what was safe, how they felt comfortable. And obviously in San Francisco, you know, we had probably the most, you never say this conservative with San Francisco, but in that regard, some of the most conservative concert goers, people who really felt that this was a priority for them to feel safe, to feel like health was being, uh, you know, a number one priority. Um, and I was super thankful for that because it, it aligns with not only my values, but it also was like it made it easier for us to get through some of the operational challenges that came with having to identify vaccination, requiring masking. Um, uh, San Francisco was a place where most people were pretty on the same page about how they wanted to go out. Um, so from that, from a behavioral perspective, it, it's been an evolution and people have gotten more and more comfortable. And now you don't see a lot of masks. You see some, and you don't see as much general concern about like, are, is everybody being checked for vaccination? A lot of that stuff is, is over now. And you're starting to see crowds sort of go back to, you know, behavior wise where they were before this. And obviously there's exceptions to that. And sometimes it's the crowd, you know, it's who the artist is. Like you were saying earlier, a lot of that can dictate how, what the sort of uh, behavioral norms are when it relates to the pandemic. Um, but one thing we really noticed at the beginning was that there was like a heavy 
no-show rate, uh, meaning that a lot of people were committing to buying tickets. And that's easier for a place like The Independent, where tickets are relatively cheap on the spectrum, to say, listen, I've decided I don't want to go, you know, for whatever reason. Um, we, we noticed that people were, and this was really heavy at the beginning, people were buying, but they weren't necessarily all showing up. We had a lot of people who weren't showing up. But that has changed. And that has definitely, I think that's something we don't, isn't, as isn't a concern to us in the same way that it was. You're starting to see people show up more. Uh, it, just a general, like you were saying at the beginning of the conversation, a looseness has sort of settled over everybody. It's not quite as much of a concern as it was. Um, and, you know, I think that's true in every sector of life. Um, but, Another thing I, I will say, one last note on it, is that uh, people seem to be drinking a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that during the pandemic, a lot of people picked up maybe drinking habits they hadn't had before. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's this sort of way to cope with the the social awkwardness some of us are trying to crawl ourselves out of. <laughs> Absolutely. Great point. Um and I think it's like, uh, yeah, I think that's so true. Uh, we're not as used to going out. And I think we go out less. So yeah. when you do go out, you go out a little harder. Um, and, you know, you might just do one night rather than two nights. Uh, and, you know, I'm not complaining about anybody drinking more, though. That's been one. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Bar sales. Never, never a bad thing. No. Um Ticket prices have gone up. Yeah. Um, I mean, inflation is very real. Yes. Um, it costs more to live. It costs more to operate. Everything is just more. But recently, Live Nation uh, said that concerts are, quote, one of the last experiences fans will cut back on. Why do you think that is? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think that the core of what we do is is something that people feel really really passionate about uh and it's love i mean it it's i don't want to be cliche or heavy handed but um you know the reason i do what i do amidst all the going through receipts and and the boring stuff is that you know i've felt that love many many times in my life and it's it's to me one of the most moving powerful experiences i've had you know, there's something about music and sharing a, a fan experience. If you really believe in an artist and you love an artist and seeing that artist practice their craft, the soul and the heart uh, that I think really moves us as a communal body. People are really still really willing to and have always been willing to spend good money to go see a really great live production of something. Because there is this connection that happens between the audience and the artist that is uh, in a world where connection is more and more frayed than it's ever been and, and disjointed, that connection is, is, you know, it's huge. It's a huge part of the human experience. It goes all the way back. And I think when we lost that for the pandemic period, there's probably never been a period in all of human history where for a year and a half people didn't gather to listen to music. Yeah, and it's not the same. I mean, what was great about the pandemic was uh, realizing uh, that accessibility, you know, um, was should be a priority. But seeing people play on Zoom, definitely not the same experience as like having the lights like 
you know, drown you in color and people totally. sort of like chanting the same lyrics. Immersive is really yeah. what it is. And uh, you don't get that in a lot of things and you don't get that escape. I mean, everything is so stressful. So much of our world is being on a screen and being kind of pulled into this bizarre cultural war that we're all partaking in. And so those few moments in the dark where it's an artist just pouring their heart out and you're connecting because it relates to something in you. I mean, it's like, it's the most invaluable, priceless thing I can think of. Um, I love it. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It was July 2021. I took my boyfriend and my mom to see a rapper they'd both become fans of, Bamboo. At that point, I'd gone almost a year and a half without live music. Having started my career as a music radio DJ, it's kind of a lifeline of mine. As scary as it was to step into an indoor venue once again, my experience was one of relief and community. The event page said that capacity would be limited, which it was, very limited. Every time I'd gone to the new parish in the past, it was usually packed, and this was a much different scene. Mostly everyone was wearing a mask, and since COVID was obviously on everyone's minds, Bamboo addressed it, thanking everyone for keeping distance between one another, for being mindful. And to add, the crowd, largely Filipino and Filipino-American. Honestly, it felt like home. Because of the COVID restrictions, I felt okay about bringing my mom, who's in her 60s. So I couldn't do this episode without talking to Bamboo himself about the experience. Was this your first show out of the pandemic? It was. It was. I think I may have done an outdoor. Um, I definitely did like a couple of Zoom shows, which yeah. were terrible. <laughs> um, Doesn't really always translate. Yeah, it does not. And I, I really like to interact with the crowd. It's kind of my thing, you know, which yeah. also made 2021 when, when I came back out and my first one back was, was a little weird. You know, it was I definitely encouraged people to space out, definitely encouraged uh, or I, I made sure the venue cut the the capacity down just so, you know, people wouldn't feel so crowded. And, um, you know, and it's, it's also the first time people are out and drinking and I saw that as potentially a problem i mean you know traditionally most all beat rock shows are safe um you know we had to learn that we've had you know people groping people in the crowd and things like that and we took those lessons and, and made sure that now our venues are safe and that was something i had to think about with spacing people out at the new parish too you know first time people out drinking at the bar i don't know you know that yeah that that, that, that could be a recipe for something bad 
especially after being inside for so long it's like okay can we can we behave like do we remember our social skills (laughs) really no really that was it that was a big thing for me yeah yeah um and going into this like first indoor experience i mean like what had changed for you in that time before that like I mean, you put out a song in 2020 where you're telling people to put on their masks and like, I mean, you put out that album in the middle of all of these um, unprecedented and yet not so unprecedented events were happening around the world and especially in the country with police brutality. Um, I mean, going into that first indoor show, like what was, I don't know, what had changed for you? It's a great question. I'd have to think back before the pandemic. I mean, I was doing, you know, traditionally after 2017, I stopped going on the big tours, the, the really long tours, just to focus on being closer to home. But also, I, I think I've, I've, you know, I've garnered the privilege of being able to put out a show on social media and not need this whole team of people to, you know, book the show or, you know, promote the show. Um, and I'm okay with that. That's kind of who I want to come to my shows. I'm, I'm kind of over the, the trying to get new fans phase of my career. And I just love the people, you know, I I love the, the, the fam that come out to my shows, and I really appreciate that. So with that being said, um, I was doing it up after 2017 on until the pandemic, I was, you know, picking Seattle, San Francisco, Oakland, uh, LA, of course, and you know, San Diego, those are my, that was my run, you know, just that whole West coast run. Um, and all that just stopped. So, you know, outside of that income going away, um, it forced me to take that creativity because that's church for me going to those, uh, you know, doing these shows that that's therapeutic for me, you know, and to lose that was tough. So that's where uh, sharpest tool in the shed came from that, that album we spoke of. And that was more motivated by the administration at the time and the things that were going on around the pandemic. The pandemic really robbed me of my creativity. It didn't, you know, it, it didn't make me want to record. You would think, you know, oh, great artists now get to just lock themselves in their house and, and be right. creative. But that was absolutely not the case for me or Rocky, you know. That we like miserable artists. artist trope. No, that was not different. the case at all. Yeah. Definitely different. That is not the case at all. But what did get me was I all the organizing I got to see and be a part of, people taking it to the streets, people learning lessons, you know, doing things the wrong way, which I really, really appreciate. You know, watching organizers and activists make mistakes and then hopefully learn from those. So that's what was changing for me at the time. I was, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a youth. Uh, organizer. I'm no longer a youth activist. I'm, I'm 45 years old. You know, I'm, I'm away from that now, but I still try to keep my ear to the ground and I encourage, you know, my music is still about getting people to organize or, or care enough to want to support some kind of organizing towards social change yeah. or just even an impact towards social change. So it was really difficult. And coming back in that 2021, you know, a lot of mistakes were made technically as far as like getting on stage and you could, the ring rust was definitely there. But um, once we got going, it, it it felt like home again. You know, I really missed it. Yeah. So a lot has changed. It's hard to verbalize, you know, but, you know, just to paint the picture of what was going on in between that, uh, that, you know, the pandemic and, and coming back to that first show. Yeah. yeah. What did we learn as far as like music goes? What did you learn as a performer? Like what works, what doesn't work? Like what is some, what are things that we have to like be mindful of 
now and should have maybe should have been mindful of beforehand? You know, I don't know. After that 2021 show, I think that was also the signal that maybe this I'm done, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why 2022 was my party's over tour. You know, I, I was done. Uh, I'm, I might have to come back and do one more just because DJ Patrick caught COVID uh, and was not able to do the run. And he's been my DJ. And to close out without him really did not feel correct at all. So yeah. Um, yeah. they were great shows. Uh, it was fun to do it, but uh, I, I need to do one more kind of duo. But anyway, that 2021 show kind of signaled that, you know what, next year, I think I'm, I'm good. You know, also during the time of that pandemic, you know, right before it, all these companies were buying up these small venues, AEG Live, Golden Voice. They're going in and buying these small venues, venues that I used to be able to call the booker because I had smoked with him two <laughs> weeks ago and say, hey, man, you know, you got a date open for me, blah, blah, blah. And off the strength of him just knowing me, I could I could book a show, you know, just based on a good relationship. I, I couldn't do that anymore. Now I was like, hey, you got to call the buyer in New York and the buyer has to know who your agent is. And, your, you know, so that changed significantly, too. Um, and and again, like it just signaled that, uh, you know, the bootlegger got bought up, uh, which is the, the bootleg theater in L.A. was my favorite place to perform, you know. New Parish is held on strong. You know, that 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 group is held on pretty strong. But the venues in San Diego, we had to pick these small community venues, which I'm OK with, too. But again, it was just a signal that, you know, maybe that era is over now for for me. And I look forward to seeing how young people like La Russell, who just did shows in his backyard, you know, like I love seeing that creativity come into play. So, I mean, what it sounds like then is like what a lot of people, not just live music artists or recording artists or what have you, it's kind of everybody, I think, during the pandemic had to reevaluate where they stand, like their values, like being forced to kind of look at what they do on a day-to-day basis, what they do for what they love. And like, sometimes if what they're doing doesn't align with those values anymore, you know, maybe you got to go on a, hop on a different freeway or get off at that exit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as far as like music goes for you, for the time being, unless your DJ, uh, Patrick, just wants live, to do just a live show. performances, just yeah. live performances. I think people thought, oh, he's retiring. You know, I'm like, no, no, I'm, I still want to record. I still write, you know, it's still my outlet. But the ability of being able to, you know, Fatty, I live in Oakland. Fatty lives in L.A. Yeah. Uh, in Long Beach. And and so we're not close, any, you know, as far as proximity to be able to rehearse and try new things. We both have families. You know, we both really love taking care of our family. So those are the, you know, C Knowledge, who I, you know, he was my tour manager, my manager, manager. I mean, he was, you know, one of my best friends. He's retired. He's over it. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, I'm over this grind because it, it was a grind, you know. Um, yeah. So I, without them, I just don't see me going back out and doing that and again you know post pandemic i've lost uh the ability to just call up a booker and say hey what's up you know yeah Um, and i'm and i don't i i don't see the the return in like me hounding someone to get that done or i don't i don't see the return when i have other things that i can focus on if something changed or like the state of music or like live music change like is there something that would make you reconsider that um, I won't hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't see it. Not in the way that we've done it, where it was like 90 minute shows, you know, two hour shows where 
we go yeah. through a whole catalog of music. Will I pop up and do a couple of songs, you know, somewhere for a good cause? Yeah, of course, you know. But yeah. that's that that DJ Patrick C knowledge bamboo, you know, uh, trio going into a venue and and turning it into a community space. That's gone, you know. That's I done. that those days are those days are done, and I encourage someone else to pick it up. You know, the the label has so many dope young artists that um, that put on great live performances. If you guys have never seen Classy perform or Ruby Ibarra, they just take command of the stage and way better than I am. You know what I mean? No, like, <laughs> no I saw I like saw you guys I, at a nightlife. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I saw you guys together at nightlife. That was yeah. I mean, they're both like strong, strong yeah. performers, and, and I love that. And, and I'm okay. You know, I think we're in good hands. Bay Current is a production of KCBS Radio. I'm Mallory Samara. Thanks to Bamboo and Jonathan Gutton for their time and insight. For more Bay Area stories, subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 